Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Chicago Bears Review... For the first time in the John Fox era, the Bears take their show on the road with the unenviable job of being the first home opponent of the winless two-time defending NFC champion, Seattle Seahawks. Which Bears team will show up on Sunday, and will it be enough to get the win? All of this plus Danny Kelly from SB Nation's Field Goals on the Week 3 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. thought the first two weeks were tough, you ain't seen nothing yet as the Bears face the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back, the week three preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and uh, it is, um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know how to feel about this game because I know what I want to have happen. I know what is likely to happen and i know that i don't want to watch that so also as i said in the open which bears team is going to show up on sunday is it going to be the team that gave green bay a run for its money that made them earn every single thing they got in that game or is it going to be the team that essentially rolled over for the arizona cardinals and almost let them put a 50 burger on us in our home stadium last week if that's the team that shows up in Seattle, we're in deep, deep trouble on Sunday. It's going to be a long, I mean, it's, it's going to be a long Sunday anyway since the Bears don't play until uh, 3 in the afternoon. So they're playing the late game, uh, which also means we're probably going to have to endure uh, Joe Buck again, who was surprisingly supportive in that first game against Green Bay. Usually Joe Buck, one of the biggest Chicago haters uh, on the planet, but uh was uh, surprisingly not annoying in that first game, probably because the Bears were at least impressive for a change uh, against the Packers. But, um, you know, Troy Aikman, I don't mind as a commentator or a color man, but uh, Joe Buck uh, can really wear on your nerves after a while. But he was surprisingly, uh, you know, tolerable in that uh, Green Bay Packer game uh, week one. Anywho, we're going to have uh, Danny Kelly from FieldGulls.com. That's uh, Gulls, G-U-L-L-S.com uh, from SB Nation on the show to talk Bears-Seahawks here in just a minute. i uh, got a couple of things I want to cover with you guys before, uh, we, uh, before we get into that. Um, John Fox, man, <laughs> this guy. And, and you know, Lori Lattimore Volkman uh, from the Mile High Report, when we had her on during the summer, talk about the Broncos uh, she kind of warned us that uh, this would happen and uh, I'm not really talking so much about um, 
you know, any any odd quotes that John Fox is making. But definitely the guy is is making his press conferences memorable because he is leading Bear fans to believe, or maybe it's just gamesmanship, that there is a chance Jay Cutler might play on Sunday. So even though uh, everybody uh, out there is is saying that it's a two-week injury at least, could miss as many as five weeks with this hamstring injury, that there's no chance that Cutler plays on Sunday, John Fox wants you to believe that it's possible that Jay Cutler you know, straps him up on Sunday and takes the field uh, against the Seahawks. I mean, even in a hobbled state, we probably have a better chance with Cutler because he is the better quarterback uh, between himself and Jimmy Clausen. But um, why would you do that? You know, honestly, we, we it's it's only week three. Granted, we're 0-2, and statistically our chances of making the playoffs get worse and worse uh, with every loss here at the start of the season. But um, it's not worth risking hurting him for the rest of the year and losing, you know, Unless you're playing for the first pick in next year's draft, which everybody says that we are now statistically in line for. Um, that is the other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, after having an impressive showing uh, against the Packers when they, you know, they looked like, a, you know, at the very least, an improving football team, the Bears barely moved the needle in the uh, power rankings. In some cases, they fell a couple of spots, depending on what poll uh, you were looking at. I think the best jump that I saw was the Bears went from like 26 to 23 in a poll somewhere. After losing to the Cardinals at home in the way that they did and knowing that we're going to be without Jay Cutler for at least the next two weeks, the Bears are at the bottom of a lot of power rank. Number 32 out of 32, which is... Um, you know, that's the spot you generally reserve for the Jaguars or the Titans or the Redskins or, you know, anybody but the Bears. I mean, even at their worst with, uh, you know, Tressman and Lovey when, when they didn't were having bad seasons, we never got close to the bottom of the power rankings. We're always hovering in the, the mid-20s. That's about as deep as it ever got in my recollection for the Bears. But to be number 32 in several power rankings was kind of – kind of demoralizing to be honest with you it's like really was it was it that bad it's like i know it wasn't good but was it that bad on sunday it's like we kind of hung tough there for a while and in, in my opinion we gave arizona more than they earned on their own sunday so you know is, is that why or is it because we're going to be without cutler for a while that we're you know this bad team or you know the defense is a mess kind of thing it doesn't matter we're number 32 according to quote-unquote experts in several uh, power rankings and uh you know we'll see where we are if we happen to pull off a miracle this sunday and uh we'll also uh you know you can punch jay cutler's ticket out of town if jimmy clausen can lead us to victory over the two-time defending nfc champion uh seahawks so um and just because that's how fickle a town chicago is the minute jimmy clausen wins Jay Cutler's a scumbag. Jimmy Clausen is the second coming. He's going to be our guy. Don't think about putting Jay back in there uh, for the rest of the year. So um, just be prepared for it. You're not going to hear it from me. That's for damn sure. I mean, I don't care if he comes out and throws for 350 and five touchdowns against the Seahawks. Cutler's still the better quarterback. So anyway, one other uh, big thing I wanted to get to is our injury report. And um, 
Obviously, the big names on that injury report are Jay Cutler, our quarterback, and our best wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, who has not practiced yet this week. And uh, say that he's in danger of missing yet another game uh, against the Seahawks. He was a, a late scratch against the Cardinals uh, last week. It really wasn't determined until Sunday morning that he wasn't going to play uh, against the uh, against the Cardinals. He hasn't practiced yet this week, and the Bears have basically like a walkthrough tomorrow, and they're traveling to Seattle a day early, like they're leaving on Friday instead of Saturday to uh, play this. To, to basically, they're going to spend the weekend uh, in Seattle. And John Fox says that uh, he he finds that when you cross multiple time zone, that first night, you know, that first night's sleep is is a pretty rotten one. So give him an extra day. Maybe they sleep a little bit better on Sunday or a little bit more fresh for the game uh, on Sunday, and uh, we'll see how that uh, that goes. But you know, Cutler and you know Alshon Jeffrey are, are tops on the on the list there as far as uh, both suffering from hamstring injuries. I, uh, ironically enough, also John Bostic, who's been um, hampered with an ankle injury, um, also not practicing uh, on Thursday. Other names on the list. Eagle Ferguson is with uh, with a knee issue, uh, knee issue I should say. Um, running back Matt Forte also with a knee problem. Pernell McPhee knee problem. Uh, cornerback Tracy Porter still nursing that hamstring that's held him out since the towards the end of the preseason. There, uh, Matt Slauson listed as a thigh slash toe. That's encouraging. Uh, wide receiver Eddie Royal and Marquise Wilson were limited. Actually, everybody that I just mentioned was limited, so they were at least practicing today. But uh, they were all limited, so that's on a positive note, especially for Tracy Porter, who's been uh, who hasn't been practicing, but is finally practicing and is limited. So I think that at this point, that makes him probable uh, for Sunday. So we'll get more official lines on the Bears and their statuses for Sunday tomorrow, when the Bears are required to list questionable, probable, uh, and so on on the uh, on the injured list uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, before they head out uh, to Seattle. So, you know, those are some pretty important names that are on that list. I mean, also kind of adding to why it is the Bears are struggling. Our best wide receiver hasn't played since, well, ever. He missed the entire preseason, and he played for a bit on week one against the Packers, but you can kind of tell that he wasn't really there yet. He was still kind of knocking the rust off a bit and then practicing for Arizona when he had been practicing without limitation all week long. Hamstring injury has been out ever since. So that's, uh, yeah, Alshon, we, you know, and then the icing on the cake there is watching Brandon Marshall thrive in New York. So he had a really nice game against the Colts. He made a, He scored a big touchdown against the Browns week one. You know, Brandon Marshall, being the healthy guy that he is, is out there doing his thing, and all we got in return was a lousy fifth-round pick. So, um, yeah, that's uh, doesn't look like we got the best of that trade at this time. So, um, anywho, I think that will uh, that will do it. Had a great conversation with uh, Danny Kelly. Got it just done just done before I started recording this uh, segment uh, of the show. We talked about a lot of things with the Seahawks, how contracts might affect the future. Uh, you know, the whole, you know, is Michael Bennett wearing out his welcome with all of his shenanigans uh, on television? Uh, you know, things like that. It, it, the, the whole, uh, you know, how I was wrong about Russell Wilson 
being a mistake, you know, saying a third-round pick is going to be a starting quarterback when you just signed Matt Flynn for three years and $24 million, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, a, a lot more under the sun. We talk about Cam Chancellor and things like that. So covered a lot of information with Danny Kelly, had a great conversation. So what do you say we go ahead and get to it? The preview of the Bears and the Seahawks with Danny Kelly from fieldgoals.com on SB Nation. And as we get on to the preview of the Bears and the Seahawks coming up this Sunday, 3 o'clock kickoff for us those for those of us here in the central time zone. Want to welcome from fieldgoals.com from SB Nation, Danny Kelly, to uh, talk to us about the Seahawks. Danny, how are we doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, doing well despite a surprising 0-2 start right. from the Seahawks. Now, I know it rains in the you know pacific northwest but is the sky actually falling in seattle yet <laughs> you know actually people are doing okay i think um you know people expected it to be a little bit of a rough start with uh first of all without cam chancellor and then also you know starting on the road against the rams who've always given the seahawks trouble on the road mm-hmm. uh, they're actually two and two over the last um four years over there and then um you know starting in green bay on on Sunday night football was always going to be a tough proposition. So, right. you know, you have a contingent of people who are kind of freaking out, but mostly I think it's been, um, if they lose this weekend, then the sky's going to be falling. But right, right now I think it's, uh, you know, that people are tempered and, and ready to kind of, it's the, the margin for error is gone, but people right. aren't, you know, freaking out necessarily like the season's over quite yet. Right. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I, I, I was that was basically going to be my next question was if the Bears beat you guys on Sunday, especially winning in Seattle, that would yeah. that would constitute the sky falling in C, in Seattle, would it not? Yeah, I mean, if if they lose, they start out zero and three, especially to Clawson. I, I'm assuming he's going to start. Yeah, uh, if they lose to a backup quarterback at home with Cam Chancellor, uh, yeah, I mean, I think people are going to pretty much have a. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be hysterics around here. Um, well, because I know so, that... And, and it would be kind of like the season's almost over at that point. So. Right. Well, well, statistically, it pretty much would be at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I know that, I mean, you know, with the 12th man and all that kind of stuff, Seattle's got one of the more uh, passionate fan bases out there. You know, what, I mean, is is sports radio going nuts? I mean, do you live in the <laughs> Seattle area? I do. And, you know, they're all right. They're not um, freaking out necessarily about the 0-2 thing. I think people are you know, every week has a different narrative. And, and this week it's Jimmy Graham's not being used enough, um, which is on one hand is true. Last week he only had two targets. And then, uh, but in week one, I mean, he had a good game. He had four or he had six catches and a touchdown. So um, yeah, it's kind of week to week right now. You know, it's, it's a little bit of just uh, moaning and complaining about certain things, but overall, People, I think, are still hopeful for, you know, kind of getting the season back on track, especially now that Chancellor's back. So um, it's all right. You know, it's obviously a little bit testy, but. Right. Just some just some general belly aching going on. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty okay. much. <laughs> all right. So talking about Camp Chancellor, we, we were talking just briefly before we got started here saying that 
you know, Cam Chancellor showing up at practice yesterday kind of ruined half the interview uh, <laughs> for me. But, you know, the questions that I did have that I think still work were, you know, um, have there ever, have there been like, you know, in your mind, obviously you watch the games. Have there been moments in the St. Louis and Green Bay game where you thought to yourself, you know, Cam Chancellor would have made that play? Um, you know, I don't know, like, about any specific plays. There was obviously a play in the St. Louis game where um, his his replacement, Deion Bailey, fell down in coverage and gave up a touchdown right. with, like, a minute to, left or something like right, that. Right, to the tight end, right? Yeah, they lined okay. up the tight end on the outside in one-on-one coverage. They got the matchup they wanted, and then Bailey tripped. Um, you know, I don't know if they would have had that same scheme going on if Cam was out there. You know, they, they might not be attacking Cam one-on-one if that's the case. Right. But, um. I mean that was kind of the glaring thing, and that and that was a big deal. But um, I think it, just in general, they really have missed him though. Just he, he's really good at lining people up. Um, they talked about at practice today. He was making checks that they hadn't heard in for they haven't heard those checks forever. Um, things like getting people um, into the right spots, getting them into the right gaps, and things like that. He, he's kind of the general of that defense, and so I think they've definitely missed him in that sense. And then. Um, just in the intimidation and, and kind of like uh, swagger department, you know, like the Seahawks have had a really, really intimidating um, kind of just, uh, I don't really know how to put it. I get, you know, the swagger thing is kind of just how they've been describing it. It's like they have an attitude. Mm-hmm. And this year it's felt a little flat without him out there. Okay. Um, so I think that's kind of the, the, you know, the intangible thing that he brings uh, to the team is, is that intimidation factor over the middle. The receivers kind of have to keep their head on a swivel and have him in the back of their mind um, when they're going over the middle. And so, um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of like the, the main value he brings other than obviously being a really strong tackler and, and, and really a good zone coverage safety. Sure, sure. Now, just to, to back up one thing about the whole 0-2 start thing, um, uh, is the superstition run wild in in Seattle? I was wondering if if anybody has brought up the whole Super Bowl loser jinx thing out there. Um, no, that hasn't really come up that much. Okay, we talked about it a little bit uh, last off season, mm-hmm. based on because people are obviously talking about the Super Bowl winners like never get back to the Super Bowl thing, right? And you know, someone brought that up, but this last off season, it's more been like getting over that ridiculously. Um, you know, deflating loss. Shouldn't have said deflating, but you know the ridiculous, <laughs> demoralizing loss in the Super Bowl. I think that has been the worry because that you know that can like really ruin psyches and, and sure. kind of, you know if they had lost in another way, maybe it'd be a little bit different um, outlook this off season because it was such a fluky, crazy like they were on the one yard line. Pretty much everyone's assuming they're going to win, um, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory type of thing. So um, that's been the main worry. And I think it's kind of shown up a little bit, to be honest. I think they're, you know, they just don't look like themselves. They're a little flat. Um, And that's where the bears come in. Hey, (laughs) all right. It's important to have a home game though. I think for them kind of try and get back uh, that energy and and everything. Um, Starting on the road to two weeks in a row is tough. And obviously losing them both is, is really tough. So yeah. They're in kind of a back against the wall type of position now. Right. Now, like you mentioned, the the whole the way that the game was lost can really damage psyches. Just on a mm-hmm. quick personal note, 
my junior and my senior year, we went deep into the playoffs in, in high school. And my junior year, we got beaten in the, in the final four, the semis, by the eventual state champs, but they blew us out. They, it was close at halftime, and they blew us out in the second half. Mm-hmm. So you knew the whole fourth quarter, basically, the game was over. You weren't advancing. You're not going the state title game. My senior year, we're in the second round. We were down like 14. We came back, and we were within two and missed the, the two-point conversion with oh, like 27 man. seconds left yeah. to go. So not only was that the end of my season, it was the end of my career. I would take that 45 to 14 blowout <laughs> over over that 27 to 25 gut-wrenching. We lost it at the last second any day, any yeah. day. Because, yeah. you know, you by the time the game was over, you had somewhat come to peace with it. And Right. So anyway. Yeah, um, it, 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 it was a really interesting psychological thing. And I actually think that, um, Pete Carroll is like the perfect coach for this kind of situation because mm-hmm. he's so, so focused on looking forward. Even like last year when they won, he was like that. Um, but I mean, it's been a, like a really key part of their program in terms of um, he, he like he, he has a very strong and active psychological program for the team. And so, um, I mean, I feel like if any coach is prepared for the, for this kind of ridiculous challenge, it was him. Um, right. So it's going to be interesting to see how they recover this year. Obviously, not to not off to a good start, but it's it's not necessarily completely surprising they lost. Even if they didn't have that kind of obstacle to get over, these first two games are going to be tough for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it. On one hand, the the fact that Jermaine Curse caught this ridiculous like ball on his from his back, like with yeah. thirty seconds left or whatever it was um you know laying there on the sideline on some level i think people are like well (laughs) i mean that was kind of lucky in the Mm -hmm. first place and so like maybe the fact that they didn't win is is you know it evened out a little bit um you know that's kind of a rationalization but i think people kind of looked at it that way it's like that play was ridiculous like in the first place to get him down there um so i don't know but yeah it was uh it's been an interesting summer that's for sure i bet i mean the whole thing was you know the the with the the russell wilson contract drama and everything one of the big pitfalls of success is that you know your guys start want to start wanting to get paid for for putting those w's uh uh together i mean essentially pretty much everyone who was supposed to get paid did except for ironically enough cam chancellor uh (laughs) the only one who ended up holding out but um you know, of the you know the other one of the other pitfalls is that everybody wants to poach your players. Right. So I mean, you guys didn't really lose anybody huge, but of the people that you did lose, who do you miss the most? Hmm, that's a good question. I think let me look real quick. In fact, I think you know, there's no one major. I think Byron Maxwell's the guy that comes to mind first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's kind of already been he's he's had an interesting start in Philly already. You know, obviously they're kind of pissed about how he's played. Right. Um, in that system. Um, but he's been the main guy that like their starter that they're, that they're actually missing. You know, they lost James Carpenter, a left guard who was kind of middling for them. They lost Max Unger, Max Unger. Actually, actually, that's a great point. That that's probably the main guy that they're missing. Um, you know, I kind of forgot about the trade, uh, but yeah, they, they definitely could use a little bit better offensive line play right now. What we'd heard is that they're going to cut him anyway because he missed all but six games last year and his body was kind of breaking apart. Mm. Um, not breaking apart, but breaking down. <laughs> right. uh, so, I mean, you know, that's maybe one of those like PR things that people say, but um, 
the idea is like he wasn't necessarily too reliable in the first place. You know, he was injured constantly. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no one real major other than Unger, I would say for sure, and then and then uh, Byron Maxwell at corner. So um, they got most of their guys back. It's just a matter of kind of getting this thing rolling again. I think a lot of people forget last year the Seahawks had a lot of adversity as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started out three and three. They ended up being six and four at one point. Right. Um, yeah. There was the Percy Harvin drama, right? Uh, you know, and then at one point they kind of had this team meeting, kind of like a come to Jesus moment, and then they rattled off uh, six wins to end the year, and then they obviously won their next two playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, and they probably should have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's an interesting team. They're constantly like drama surrounding them, but that's kind of like I always say it's kind of a circus, but. Sure. It's a fun circus. It's they're they're a good circus. Yes, yes, they are because they're the circus that keeps winning. So <laughs> yeah, um, you know, on that defensive side, just to go back to that again, defense for the last three seasons has been number one in scoring mm-hmm. defense, and in the first two games of the year it was was it thirty four or thirty seven they gave up against St. Louis. Thirty four against St. Louis, and then twenty seven against. Yeah. Green Bay is is you know it's like what is you know would Cam Chancellor have made a difference there as far as helping the you know trim the fat on those points or is is there a real need, uh, area of concern with the defense giving up so many points so far? I think there is. Um, you know, obviously it's two games, so it's a small sample size. Uh, sure. But the most points the Seahawks gave up last year is thirty, and they already gave up thirty-four to St. Louis in the week one. Right, and they were a field goal away from doing it again on Sunday. Right, and so it's, uh, you know, it's disconcerting, but um, I'm kind of willing to let it, like, go for a little while. They haven't looked at, they haven't looked like themselves very much. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't tackled well, which is kind of one of their hallmarks. Uh, they haven't really shown a lot of energy or, um, you know, there haven't been many big hits. Kind of like just the things that you think of when you think of the Seahawks defense, they haven't really been doing. But I don't think that they can't do it. I just think... They just need to start executing better, and I think they probably will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think missing Chancellor has been a bigger deal than maybe they were hoping. Right. Um, but, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they did sort of, quote, win the holdout. Um, he decided to come back. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Pete Carroll talked about it this week. Like, last year, Bobby Wagner got hurt, and then when he came back, their defense was like, exponentially better and, and they got really really tight against everybody um going on the rest of the season there sure and so p carroll's you know saying i'm not expecting that but you know that'll be something i'll be looking for like is he kind of the x factor that they've really been missing there and so um that really wins surprise me if he kind of did bring that um that edge or whatever it is that they have you know um when he when he gets back and they, and they kind of get back on track with what they're doing i don't necessarily think the expectation should be that they lead the NFL in scoring defense again. Um, But I think they'll get back to being a a really good defense. Sure. Now on that defensive side, you know, there's been, you know, some off season drama with Bruce Irvin, not picking up his option. And then, uh, you know, brother of our Martellus Bennett, Michael (laughs) Bennett, talking about how he's going to be playing in Atlanta in 2016, or at least that's the rumor that he's denying uh, anyway, I mean, have these guys, because neither one of them handled those situations well, have these guys worn out their welcome in Seattle? Or are they still, you think they'll be around next year? Or, you know, wh- what do you think there? Um, you know, I don't think Bruce Irvin probably is going to be back. I don't think the Seahawks can afford him. Um, 
and I don't know if he's necessarily worth what he's probably going to get. Um, he's a he's a strong player. He's a versatile player. He he actually plays Sam linebacker on their base downs, and then moves to a pass rusher on on nickel downs. And he just hasn't really shown an ability to be kind of like a top echelon uh, pass rusher. He's a very he's a very good uh, Sam linebacker, but I don't think you know he's probably going to get paid like a pass rusher. And so right. I don't think that they're going to you know necessarily be able to afford him they might try and sign him but he might you know find you know atlanta or jacksonville or someone that wants to pay him a little bit more to do kind of what he does in seahawks uh the seahawks defense but you know for one of those seahawks satellite teams and with dan quinn and and gus bradley but um (laughs) yeah so i i don't think he'll be back um but i you know bennett's probably not going anywhere he's under contract for another couple years right and you know he he's just Bennett. I mean, you guys know Martellus. It, oh like, God, yeah. Kind of off, they're they're hilarious, but they're yeah. definitely weirdos. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and they and the funny thing is that they are fully aware of it. Yeah. And acknowledge it all at the same time. Yeah. It's like I'm a, I'm completely weird and obnoxious and hilarious and yeah. So there you go. That's, there might that's, be. I'm sorry. There might be some off-season drama with Bennett, but at the end of the day, like I don't think he's gonna. He's not holding out. He would have done it this year if he was ever gonna do it. Right. Um, and he even said like recently, like his wife wouldn't allow him to hold out. He's got kids. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't see that. I mean, it's gonna be. It's always like like I said, it's kind of always an adventure with these guys because they speak their mind. And they're not afraid to say something controversial. Um, and Pete Carroll has always been. Um, of the opinion that he wants everyone to be themselves. Um, so you end up getting kind of a lot of characters here. <laughs> sure. And uh, Irv- Irvin and Bennett are both like fan favorite types. And, and Irvin's really funny on, on Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff. So people love him. I don't think there's any ill will to, towards those guys. I think they understand um, that, you know, you take the good with the bad when it comes to the guys that are willing to, you know, say their mind and everything. It's better than having someone like Russell Wilson who literally never says anything. Oh, and, and on the rare occasions that he does, he's, he says stuff that just blows your mind, like the whole concussion water stuff <laughs> and oh, yeah. going on the record saying that he's not having sex with one of the most attractive women in the history of the world. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a quiet kind of low-key guy, but then when he comes out and he says something, it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that, dude. That's... Yeah, maybe you should stick to the cliches, actually, yeah. on second thought. Yeah, yeah, maybe he should be that quiet, cool guy in the corner and just, <laughs> you know, handle his business that way. That'd probably be a good idea exactly. uh, for him. So speaking of, you know, salary demands, you know, Russell Wilson got paid this year. Bobby Wagner got paid this year. You took on the salary of Jimmy Graham, which was, you know, a sizable one from mm-hmm. New Orleans. Uh, you know, how much is the salary demand going to hurt the future of the franchise. I, I know the GM says basically like the, the, the goal is to keep the core guys like Wilson and Wagner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jimmy Graham, even maybe I'm, I'm, I don't know how much time Marshawn Lynch has left, but he's probably you know, done after this year. Yeah. Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor trying to keep the core group together mm-hmm. and then try to build a team around them. Is that something that you think those guys will be able to do on the long term? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's kind of like we we've talked about it at field goals. There's a little bit of a misconception of salary cap space, like quote salary cap space, like right. having a ton of salary cap space isn't necessarily a good thing when you have a lot of your cap space uh, tied up in all pro players. You know, right. like at the end of the day, that's what you want 
it's a good problem to have. Um, And this is kind of the, this has been the plan for the Seahawks is to, you know, build their team around a core group of guys and then do a lot of volume drafting every year because they draft about 10 guys, nine guys every year, um, fill out their team with the role players from the draft and, and like low key uh, free agency. But yeah, I mean, they rely on their core group of highly paid players and, as long as the money that you're tied up, that's tied up in your in your um, big contracts, isn't going to players who aren't performing. In other words, you don't want to give a bunch of money to someone who's either cut or sucks. Um, so, so far, I, I think the Seahawks are in good shape in terms of the salary cap because all their players that are highly paid are still kind of playing well. Right. Uh, and as long as they can kind of keep that going, I think they'll be all right. They've they've shown that they are able to fill out their defense particularly with uh, drafted players and kind of get by and and excel actually with players that they find in the draft. Um, The question on offense is a little different. They haven't done quite as well in terms of drafting on the offensive side of the ball, but the early returns on um, Tyler Lockett so far are really good. So he's exciting and and potentially going to be a really good player for them. Um, And the other thing I would say about their their salary cap is that they have a lot of um, flexibility in it in the terms of you know, they don't have a ton of fully guaranteed money going to anybody other than Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, so they, they can cut guys as it goes along and be okay. So in other words, if someone starts underperforming, they're not going to have this big albatross that they're paying, you know, to do nothing, essentially. So, um, or be buried under dead cap space or anything like that? Exactly. So they're doing pretty well in that in that sense. So overall, I would say certainly having big paid guys like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner and down the line, it certainly lowers your margin for error when it comes to filling out the rest of your roster. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's, you know, obviously they were kind of playing with house money the last couple of years when Russell Wilson was costing 500 grand a year. Right. Um, and they don't have that advantage now. And so obviously their, um, margin for error becomes a little bit smaller and, and they can't go out and get, you know, one extra, free agent every year um so that's definitely going to have an effect long term but overall i mean i think their plan is is solid and legit as you can get um considering you know they've ended up finding developing and ending up paying a good core of guys that you know have gone to two straight super bowls so um overall i i think they've done a good job it, it, just like i said it, the margin for error just gets smaller going forward right and you know i i I wish I well I probably do somewhere. I wish I had the uh the 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 clip uh, available anyway. Um I really like we the, the Bears played the Seahawks in 2012. That was the last time we guys played in the in the regular season and during the summer I do these opponent preview episodes and when we were talking about the NFC West, we brought up the fact that in t- 2012 you guys signed uh Flynn, Matt Flynn. Yeah, and then you drafted Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll went on record very early on in the in the in the off season that Russell Wilson might have a chance to start. And I just thought that was the most ridiculous thing that I had ever heard in my life. Like you just signed this guy mm-hmm. three years, like twenty four million. You're paying the guy eight million dollars a year. You're going to sit him on the bench? Are you kidding? Yeah. You gotta you gotta you know it's like it just doesn't make sense to do that. You know, but then obviously 2012, you guys almost went to the Super Bowl in 2012, and then 13 and 14, you guys go back, and Russell Wilson is a big reason why. So that's just yeah. one where I'm totally eating, eating my words on that. Oh, one. I mean, that was. Uh, it's not just in Chicago that happened. That happened here too. People were kind of like, "What? 
the hell? But I mean, he did play so well in the preseason that people were like, all right, let's see what goes on. Yeah. Then again, early on um, in the regular season, he kind of had a couple so-so games and people were calling for Flynn to start. And so it did, you know, it wasn't like it went smoothly necessarily to start out. Um, but ironically, you know, not ironic, but, you know, coincidentally enough, his kind of breakout game was against the Bears that year. Yeah. When they started incorporating the read option, and um, you probably remember that game, just kind of ran all over the Bears. I think that was kind yeah. of Russell Wilson's, like, coming out party. That that um, game that game drove me nuts, man. Oh, I just I can I can assume so, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that you know, like you said, they incorporated the read option and they used it pretty pretty heavily throughout the entire game. And it's just like, okay, maybe in the first half that's okay that you know <laughs> it took you some time to adjust to it. But in the second half, it's just like they completely forgot that Wilson and company were doing that in the first half. And that's ended ended up what what ended up. I mean, we luckily we somehow got the game to overtime, and you guys um, that's before the overtime rule was put into place. Got the ball first, and well, you scored a touchdown, so it didn't matter. Right. But you you know you know with all that, it's just oh man. I mean, I was like my my review show that week was pretty much just like what the hell, guys? <laughs> I mean, seriously, over and over again, over and, and over Urlacher again, they just too, did it. Probably was tough. I well, mean, that was Erlacher's last game because having, you know, chasing Russell Wilson around on the field, he ended up pulling a hamstring right. and it ended up costing him the last four games of that season and we didn't bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, actually, so. you know, it's funny. I heard like Erlacher talking or tweet. He, there was a tweet or something where he kind of, oh, I think it was on one of the shows, like preview shows for the NFL. And he was kind of talking about that game and Russell Wilson. And, you know, he said it kind of like facetiously, like, oh, yeah, that guy ended my career. But you could tell he was like kind of serious and like kind of pissed about it. Um, he was joking about it. But, um, yeah, yeah that's an interesting game. Obviously, uh, for the Seahawks fans, it was one of the best games in memory. But, yeah, uh, but yeah so I can I, imagine the frustration on that. Yeah, side. I, I remember when Erlacher said that when he was awkwardly hosting that daily NFL show that Fox yeah. Sports 1 gave up on after about three weeks. But... Um, I remember when he said it, and, and I just remember like people in Chicago freaking out when he said that. It's just like, oh, what? They? Russell Wilson ended his career? It's like, <laughs> that's not what he meant. Come on. Yeah, he was kind of He like, meant players like Russell Wilson right. are the reason that he you know hung him up. But anyway, um, running low on time here, um, Danny. So just one quick question. I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm not going to ask you what the Seahawks need to do to win this game because – if the team that showed up against Arizona shows up in Seattle uh, on Sunday, all the Seahawks need to do is show up. Mm. Um, and then they just, you know, make sure that they actually take the field and play the game, and that'll pretty much work out for you. Tell me what the Bears have to do to win this game on Sunday. Well, I think it'll go a long way if they can run the ball. Uh, okay. The Seahawks haven't really, you know, their, their run defense hasn't been terrible yet, but... Um, what the Seahawks try to do on defense is really make an opposing team one-dimensional, and especially if they have a quarterback that's backup or um, you know someone that has struggled in, in their house, like that's what they want to do. So basically, what Seahawks are going to do tomorrow or on Sunday, I should say, is try and take away the run first and foremost, shut that down, and force you to pass. And then obviously, they're that's playing into their strength. Their their pass rush is is a really strong pass rush, and then obviously they have a really strong secondary. What they want to do is get you to turn the ball over. So um you know you can obviously i think the bears can probably do kind of a, a run game constraint obviously passing the ball to a forte a lot um mm -hmm. kind of in the flats or underneath that's kind of how teams have beaten the seahawks 
is the mid range short and mid range passes mid range passes and then kind of run after the catch and and just kind of make things happen that way. You don't really beat the Seahawks deep very often, right. um, at least not his, like the last couple of seasons. Obviously, this year is a little different, but um, like traditionally, this, the way to beat the Seahawks is is underneath, catch and run, uh, run the ball well, and then obviously, like if the Seahawks get turnovers, then that's going to hurt their chances. So um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going into this game thinking it's going to be a blowout because the Seahawks just haven't been playing well. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely an advantage that they're at home this year or this uh, this game. And obviously, it's an advantage that Jimmy Clausen's going to be starting. So, um, but I would say, yeah, the, the the Bears need to run the ball and get Forte going in the short pass game, kind of get the yak, the uh, yards after the catch going, and sure. that's kind of the way to beat the Seahawks. Okay, well, I'd like that. Uh, that that works for me. That 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 sounds that <laughs> sounds doable awesome. at least. Yeah. You know, it's not like oh well, you have to be absolutely perfect, which essentially is what the Bears have to be because we're not as good as the Seahawks, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, it's just true. You know, the talented, talent-wise, the scales tipped heavily in Seattle's favor. And when you're playing somebody that's better than you, you have to play a perfect game. So the Bears have to do that on Sunday. So And, and perfect, and, you know, we can't have 170 yards and penalties like we had against the Cardinals, and, you know, we can't turn over the ball at inopportune. Not that there's ever a good time to turn over the ball, but it's just that, the reason that Jay Cutler is so hated in Chicago is not that he turns over the ball. It's just that he picks the absolute <laughs> worst moments to do it. The He's absolute hated. worst moment. Yeah, oh, man, they want to burn him in effigy in Chicago. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. So it's, it's, it's pretty awful, actually. But, um, I kind of like Jay Cutler. You know what? I do, too. And the funny thing is he's played really well so far this year up until he threw that interception where he got hurt against the cardinals was it a bad pick on his part i didn't see the play he he threw the ball behind bennett so it was a bad throw on his part but it wasn't one of what they call a uh same old jay moment in chicago (laughs) a same old jay moment for me is what he always does against the packers where all of a sudden he wants to throw it into quadruple coverage right right you know and like a jump ball situation and everybody's there and our receivers five yards from where the ball landed and things like those are those are same old Jay moments. Not yeah. when you know he, th- he you know he just makes a bad throw. It got behind Martellus, bounced off his hands into the guy's arms and that kind of thing. So, but he was eight for eight, 120 yards. He had a perfect quarterback rating until wow. that happened. Yeah, you know, I, I he, love Jay Cutler. He looks like he just woke up, up <laughs> got out of the like got off the couch at his buddy's house and came to the game. Yeah, and, and like he but he's like super athletic for how he looks. You know what I mean? He's like you know I don't it's a cliche but he's like sneaky athletic. Right. Um. So, and obviously he's got a cannon. So, I mean, but I don't have to watch him on my team turn the ball over. I just kind of like him because he's an entertaining guy. Right. Um, well, lucky you. You have you have the quiet and awkwardly weird Russell Wilson leading yep. your team uh, to victories. I have the the guy that doesn't show enough emotion in an emotional town like Chicago, and he's throwing interceptions at horrible times. So that's uh, so we'll we'll see. Also, according to John Fox. Jay Cutler hasn't been ruled out yet, so you know, right. even though every medical expert says he's out two to five weeks, John Fox says that he might play on Sunday. Just little so, gamesmanship. Yeah, keep that in the back of your mind if they wheel Jay Cutler out onto the field. That uh, you know, it's about to go down uh, in Seattle. So, <laughs> all right, Danny, I think we got to let you go, but I want to appreciate. Uh, thank you for being uh, on the show, or the Chicago Bears review, and uh, hope to have you on sometime in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Good luck on Sunday. All right. Take it easy. All right. Danny 
Danny Kelly, fieldgoals.com on SB Nation. So again, want to thank Danny Kelly for coming on to the show and uh, talking to us about the Bears and the Seahawks, the first non-returning guest that we've had so far uh, on the uh, on the show because we had Evan Western to talk about the Packers and Jess Root had both been on the show during the summer. Danny Kelly was the first one not to be uh, able to participate in our preview episodes uh, during the uh, the summer, so glad that we were able to um, to get uh, get our schedules lined up so he could be on the show with us uh, this week. And like I said, hope to uh, hope to have a reason to have him on the show sometime in the uh, in the future. So I had a night had a had a great talk with him. Uh, so that's uh, probably going to do it for this week, uh, folks. If you have any uh, questions or you know want to shoot me an email, want to ask me a question that I can talk about on the show. It's uh, Chicago Bears Review at yahoo.com is the uh, is the email address uh, for the show. Uh, you can also catch me on Twitter. Uh, I will be live tweeting again. Hopefully, uh, I won't be vomiting all over my phone as I'm watching the uh, the Bears and the Seahawks uh, take take part in in this debacle on on Sunday. I, I hope it's not as bad as we fear it it might be. Uh, like I said, it depends on which team shows up on Sunday. You know, chances are we probably lose this game, but will it be the, you know, wire to wire battle that it was against Green Bay or will it be the roll over and die performance that we had against the uh, Cardinals uh, on Sunday? So um, that's going to be the real question going into the football game. We, you know, like I've said all along, folks, I've said all along, 2015 is going to be more about progress than it's going to be about wins and losses. I mean, look at John Fox's record. With his two head coaching stops so far in Carolina and in Denver. Now, granted, he made the playoffs in Denver, but he did it at eight and eight with Tim Tebow, for Christ's sake. But in you know, go back to Carolina. His first year in Carolina, he had a losing record. You know, he had nowhere to go but up, considering he took over for a one and fifteen team. But they were six and ten, seven and nine his first year. His second year, they were in the Super Bowl. Don't know if that's going to happen for the Bears in 2016, but first year in, in Denver, 8-8, eight and eight, just barely hang on to make, a, make it to the playoff. Actually won a playoff game against the Steelers that year, but the following year, you know, 13-3, and three, they go to the Super Bowl. They lose to the Seahawks, ironically enough, but, you know, the progress was made, and obviously he won like 12 games a year, you know, the last two years before being let go after not making it to the Super Bowl last year that's why he was fired because he didn't go to the super bowl not because the broncos were a bad team but because he couldn't get that team to the super bowl or win a championship with them so year number two is going to be the one that that we're going to have our hopes and dreams up for this year like i said we just want to see heart we want to see competition we want to see tough football games we want to see tough wins for our opponents if we just happen to lose a game uh, on Sunday we want our teammate and we want our opponents to earn it like Green Bay did week one we don't want to give it to them like we did week two against the Cardinals so I guess that will that will determine my level of enjoyment of this game if we're being competitive and hanging with the Seahawks those knee-jerk reactions are going to be nice 
if we're rolling over like a bunch of pansies against the Seahawks like we did against the Cardinals. I might have to break out the bleat machine. Who knows? But uh, anyway, come back for that on Monday for the review episode of the Bears and the Seahawks week number three. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Chicago Bears Review. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.